0: And this morning, uh, like Antley said, I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you a little bit of a picture of kind of my journey with the Holy Spirit. Because if, it's so great what happened this morning. That, you know, people came down and some unscripted things happened. And there were some people dancing. I might have got a little bit crazy too. And I, it just, um, if you knew who I was a few years ago... You'd be shocked that I was down here dancing and lifting my hands and crying and so excited um, that the Holy Spirit had come today. And what excites me as well is this is not something that happens every Sunday. It's not something that we script and that we work up. It's something that just happens and all of a sudden we react to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And that's what I want to address today. Because I had two questions many years ago when it came to the gifts of the Spirit. And one was... Do I even need the power of the Holy Spirit, this thing called the filling of the Holy Spirit? And, and what's it for? You know, I've been saved, I've got Jesus in my heart, and I've got the Holy Spirit indwelling in me. Why do I need the, the Holy Spirit? Is there two separate things going on? What's going on with the power of the Spirit? So that's kind of where we're headed today. Let me pray, um, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you just for, just for your Spirit, that you've sent your Spirit to us. That as you ascended into heaven, that is what we, we, um, we get. That's what you pour out on us. And God, I just pray right now that you pour out your spirit on me um, as I speak, um, as I speak my story, as I speak from your word. Just come, Holy Spirit, in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, many years ago, I can't remember. I was, uh, th- this particular story, I can't remember if I was in college or if, if Beth and I were married or not. Um it, it's it's always a train wreck when you start out a story like um back when I was in college um and especially if you've listened to me talk before you probably know that they've turned into a few train wrecks but but, but it was probably back when I was in college um my father-in-law had moved out to a farm and he uh I knew him way before uh, I had married Beth um and he he knew that I was kind of a redneck and that I liked to do the farm thing every once in a while and I, I, you know, I, I, I should say that this is PG-13 too. You know, Tom said that last week. I'm always PG-13. There's never a G deal with me. So i just let you know ahead, ahead of time. All right, and this particular story is PG-13. Okay, so he calls me up and he says, hey, I got something I think you, you would love to do. He says, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of raising a beef cattle um, once a year and, you know, slaughtering the beef cattle and, and we'll have, you know, meat for the whole family. What a master plan, you know. It's a great idea. And me as a redneck, I'm like, awesome. What do, what do I need to do? And he tells me, you need to just come out here and I'll tell you what we got to do. So I get a couple of my friends who I know would enjoy something like going out to, to a farm and figuring out what my father-in-law wants to do in this thing we call, you know, raising beef cattle. So we get out there and he's already had cattle on his farm, but he had a, you know, he just kind of for fun for the family, he had a, a female cow. Well, we did, what we didn't know when we got out there is over the past few months, he had had a stud come out and get business done, and they had a baby calf cruising around. It wasn't really a baby calf. It was kind of, you know, mid-sized, like right around here, sized calf, cruising around one of the pastures. And we get out there, and he's kind of standing there waiting on me and my two friends, and uh, we're looking at the pasture. We see the little dude running around. We're like, I wonder what he's got planned for us. And he, uh, we get there, and we're, we're like, okay, what do we do? What, what's, our, what's our deal? What are we supposed to do today? And he looks at us and he says, you're going to go out there and you're going to tackle that calf. And we're like, all right, I think we can handle that. We can do that. And then and then, what, what, then what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, this is kind of the part of the story that kind of kind of shaked me up a little bit. He pulls out a steak knife. Yeah, I know. He pulls out a steak knife and I'm like, what in the world is that for? What, what, in the, what could I possibly need a steak knife for? He goes, this little bad boy is the whole reason that you came out here. I said, so what are, you, what, are, what are you expecting us to do? Now, my father-in-law always does a lot of research when he does anything. He was a biologist. Um, he's very particular about the things that he does. But I, I, it surprised me that he was going to let three knuckleheads take care of business for him today on the farm. And so what he does is he says, all right, whoever wants to do it needs to take, tackle the calf Take the steak knife, and we're we're like, and what? And he's looking at us like, seriously, you have to ask the question? I mean, we're raising beef cattle. we got to do something to the calf to make it no longer a bull. So, (laughs) really? Seriously, y'all just woke up to the fact that we're going to use a steak knife or something? Holy smokes. I thought you'd have got it way before then. Yeah, that's the way I felt too. Shocking. So, we're kind of, you know, it's one of those things as a man and I, you're looking at your buddies and he says, look, any of y'all can choose to do this deal. Um, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I could go one of two ways here. I could allow one of my buddies to go out there and make an idiot of himself, cut himself all up as he's trying to tackle the calf and do business. Or I could man up and do it myself. And it was like a long pause before we jumped right into things. And all of a sudden, I stepped forward. I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I didn't know what to do. I'm like, what do you do with a knife? He's like, I don't know. Hold it like a freaking Indian and run out there. I, you know, you're going to get business done. So he said, you could probably put it in your pocket or whatever. And so we, I get in the pasture with the bull. He had moved the other cows somewhere else. I call him a bull because it sounds more manly, but it was really a calf. So I grabbed the, the, uh, the knife And I did it like an Indian. I get in there and I'm like, all right, what do I do? And I started kind of wandering around the pasture. And the homeboy must have gotten wind of what was going on because he stayed as far away from me as he possibly could get. And uh, finally I realized, okay, I'm going to have to run. And so I started running around the pasture like a Choctaw Indian with my knife. And I got to a place where I was like, all right, I got to get this done. I'm winded and I've got, you know, there's no way I'm going to catch him. And he was running along the fence line. And I'm kind of running like this, and I kind of got the visions of me being in football and angle tackling something, you know. And I saw the calf running, and sure enough, I had him. I mean, I saw him running, and I'm like, I got him, and things are going to happen. And I tackled him. And immediately, as soon as I tackled him, he kind of rolled over on me. And I realized, he's a little bit bigger than I had anticipated. And all of a sudden, pain in my legs and the weight of the calf on my legs. And then he pooed all over me. (laughs) Now... Had he not done that, I might have felt sorry for him, you know, (laughs) and I might have gotten a little scared and said, am I really going to do this deal? But lo and behold, and just to to, to go backwards, the reason that you use a steak knife is because it's serrated and it coagulates the wound better. So there's no, it's not just to be brutal. I don't want PETA coming after me. It's, there's a reason for it, that it has to be a dull knife. So yeah, I went to town and I did business and it was one of the most, I mean, I was so proud I can't tell you. I, we have, I looked so hard for a picture. I mean, there's pictures of me. It is amazing. Uh, don't even bother emailing me, please. I know. Um, but yeah, I looked, I, did, I looked for a picture. But in that moment, there was two things. There's kind of two sides to this illustration. Um, I had all the power. I mean, I did. I had all the power, and I needed it that day. But it wouldn't have gotten done without the knife, I can tell you that. When we got there, I just want to kind of remind you that when I got there, I asked my father-in-law, I said, what are we doing? He said, well, this is what we're doing, and this is what you're going to need, and there's no way you're going to get it done without this. You came here today for one purpose, and this is how you're going to get it done. And on the other end, the calf had no power. None. None whatsoever. At that moment, there was nothing that he could do, and it was done for the rest of his life. And it's a, it's, a, it's a rough illustration, but he was castrated after that point, and he became a beef cattle. He was good. His name was Job, too. They named him a biblical name. They always did that. And every time we ate him, you know, had a burger, it was like, hey, we're having a Job burger. But the whole thing that I'm trying to get around, it's a long way to go with an illustration. Antley's killing me. He's like, is there any way you could possibly do an illustration where nobody will ever hear your talk, but they're going to walk away going, I can't believe you talked about castrating a bull today. Um, But I really, really, really want you to get this. It's all about power. That day was, I felt so powerful that day. And it was all about power. It was about removing power from something. And when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, and we talk about our Christian life, I can tell you this week for me has been one of those weeks when I felt powerless. I'm on the board of a missions organization, and they were, you know, we're making some difficult decisions about things that we're doing with this mission organization. Really difficult. And I'm on the losing end of that deal. It's a vote. I mean, that's the way the boards work. You know, if, you, if, if it's one to six or two to five or whatever, when you lose, you lose. And that's kind of the way it is. You wipe your hands, you support the board, and you go on. And that's the way I am. I love everybody on the board. But I was losing, and it felt terrible. Absolutely powerless. Absolutely powerless. Had no power to do anything. You know, I could cast my vote, but was, that was all that I could do. It was going the way that it was going. You know, I think about Conan O'Brien and late night TV. I mean, he, he had the holy grail of late night. And there was nothing that he could do to lose his position. I mean, to, to regain his position. He had all the money that he needed. He could negotiate all the things he wanted to do. But at the end of the day, there was one thing that was going to happen. He was not going to have the 1135 slot of late night TV anymore. And he couldn't do anything. As powerful as Conan O'Brien, as funny as he is, I called him up and said, hey, I got a church plan. I'll give you the main slot. Conan would be pretty funny. Almost as funny as Antley. But he was powerless. He was powerless. And for me, in my journey as a recovering evangelical, um, I, uh, I spent my time, you know, there's a, there's a, if you knew my, my baggage, I'm going to give you just a short synopsis. We, we don't have a ton of time of where I come from. I grew up in a charismatic church. Um, and it was a wild and crazy charismatic church. And I loved all the people that were there. But about the time I was 11 or 12... I got to the point where I really hated it. And there was one reason I did. It wasn't necessarily all the craziness, but it was something that I detected in the in that particular church that bothered me. And as a twelve year old, you know kids, they they can detect the, the bullcrap pretty good. And I would always see the same kind of routine things. You know, Larry would stand up over here, and he would speak in tongues. And then, you know, Fred over here, he would always interpret it. And there would be a certain song that everybody got all excited about. And the tambourines would be up front. And the two ladies would come and grab. And it was kind of this routine that went on. And my mom was always like, you guys, should, you know, you and your brother should invite people to church. It's fun. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not fun. And I'm terrified to invite anybody here because nobody ever explained to me what was going on. I just saw as a kid. I just saw chaos. As a kid, I just saw things that were that were out of hand. And as I got older, and I, I when as soon as I didn't couldn't didn't have to go to church, I didn't. And um, as you know, life moved on. I found myself in evangelical churches, kind of looking for Jesus and trying to figure out how it was. But I did not want to go to the crazy, crazy church. There's no way. So how did I end up here, right? Um, and uh, when, when I was about twenty, I had another experience with. Uh, a church it was non-denominational which is you know when the charismatics got you know that everybody was kind of scared of cruising their church so they all became non-denominational and my friend said hey i got a non-denominational church you got to come to a deal it's going to be awesome we have a special you know revival dude coming in to speak so i went and the guy actually preached an amazing message it was really really good and at one point he said hey anybody that's in the tw- in your 20s come forward, we're going to pray for you. And I thought, man, well, I need prayer. I am searching for something. I don't know what it is, but I am searching. So I went forward for prayer, and I was kind of in this crowd of students. And he prayed for anybody, everybody. And it it got to the point where it was the end of the prayer. And then I thought it was done. You know, we're done. We're going to go back to our seats. We're going to continue with the service. And he says, all right, now all of you are going to be shuffled off to a special room. And, you know, we'll see you later. And I'm like, holy crap. At that point, I'm like, where are we going? You know, I've already, I've already got some weirdo church baggage and I do not want to be shuffled off to crazy, crazy room where things don't, you know, happen. And I'm kind of, you know, my friends are waving at me. And if I was in the back of the crowd of people, I probably would have darted for the door and waited for the the deal to be over. But I was kind of stuck in the middle where, you know, everybody's kind of pushing you. And you're like, holy crap, where am I going? I'm going to crazy room. And I'd like to tell you that it wasn't crazy room, but... What they did was they lined everybody up, like it was 150 of us, a lot of students um, on the deal. And there was a a guy, you know, the anointed guy was kind of cruising down the line and he was praying for everybody and they were falling over. They were slain in the spirit. There's nothing wrong with any of that. It was the way that it happened that was freaking me out. Plus, I came to the table with tons and tons of charismatic church baggage. And he's praying for people, and people are falling over. And then I saw something that really kind of freaked me out. There was a dude that was like, I'm not going down. I don't know if you've, you've experienced any kind of that, but there was a dude that's like, there's no way, unless the roofs blow off and the Spirit comes, I'm not going down to the fire of the Spirit. And, I, and then all of a sudden, I see the dude that's anointed. He kind of snaps his fingers a couple times, and the prayer posse comes. And they're like, we're going to make sure that he goes down. And they begin to pray over my man. You know, and they're speaking in tongues and doing the thing. And, and, you know, they're going to get him to the ground. I don't know if you all have seen Barat. I should have never seen the movie. It's absolutely horrible. But there's a scene of him in the Pentecostal church where they're praying for him. It was like that. I mean, it was exactly like that. He was really getting on him. And then I got to the point where I got terrified. And that happened about two or three times on down the line. And I had a decision to make along the way. What am I going to do? You know, am I going to stand firm? I'm not going down. Or am I just going to say, dude, I'm just going to, you know, pay my ticket and fall and be done with it. So about four people down, you can guess what I did. I'm like, I am going down. I am not having the prayer posse come over. He waxed me on the nugget and I was down before he touched me. And then it's the weird thing of how long do I stay on the floor before I get up? I really have no idea. I just didn't know what I was supposed to do. Eventually people started getting up and I got up and... It's amazing that I come from that background because uh, it, it, look, look where I ended up. I am so convinced. There's nothing that you could tell me today that would, that would convince me otherwise that there is something other than just being a Christian that happens when God fills His people with His Spirit. There is something else that happens. There is something we call the power of the Spirit. And there's a purpose for it. There's absolutely a purpose for it. There was a couple of things that... That took me, took me away from that, that whole idea. And one was bad theology. And the second thing is that I didn't see any purpose. Nobody explained the purpose and the experiences that we had in the Spirit. I just didn't know what it was for. And in Scripture, there's such, such, clear, uh, such a clear picture of what being baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's like a weird word. What does that mean? Being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got saved. I got the Holy Spirit. Well, there is something different that happens in scripture and if we look in acts we've already talked about acts a little bit we're going to look at acts chapter 4 and just to give you a little bit of background in acts chapter 1 and 2 you know in acts chapter 1 jesus ascended which was probably a pretty amazing thing to watch they're all kind of you know watching the deal happen and jesus floats up into the air and he's gone and he had already told them ahead of time earlier in luke he had said you know go to jerusalem and wait that's a key word wait wait for something it's going to be the holy spirit it's going to come and they had no idea what that was going to look like or how it was going to play out but we see that in acts chapter two they're all gathered together in one place they're waiting like jesus had told them to do the wind blows they speak in tongues and it was for a purpose they were speaking the gospel in different languages it was amazing a bunch of people got saved and then we we keep going and the apostles are filled with power and being filled with the spirit they heal you know peter peter and john heal somebody in Acts chapter 3, and then here we are in Acts chapter 4. And I come to here for a particular reason because I think it's, it shows exactly, um, it pinpoints this thing that, that I want to kind of get around, and it's the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's start in chapter 4. And they were speaking to the people. Now, um, yeah, I'll just go ahead and start. And they were speaking to the people and the priests and the captain of the temple of the Sadducees in the the temple of the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching people and proclaiming Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening, but many of those who had heard the word had believed. And a number of the men had, had come to about 5,000. I mean, if that's not the power of the Spirit right there, they started at about 120, and then all of a sudden the Spirit comes, and blam, blam, it, not too long later, there's 5,000 believers. I mean, that's church growth right there. You think we can't grow without the power of the Spirit? It's got to happen that way. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name do you do this? And then Peter, listen to this, filled with the Spirit. Now, Peter's I mean, do do we believe Peter's a Christian at the time? Did he know Jesus? Did he, I mean, Pentecost has already happened. 5,000 have already come to Jesus. But here we come with another Peter being filled with the Spirit. Peter, filled with the Spirit, said to them, Rulers and peoples and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known. I love that he says this. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, uh, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. And there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And I want to continue in 13 because I have something to say about this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished. Now, Peter, in verse 8, I mean, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders. I mean, that's, that's when he's getting the knife. I mean, I'll just be, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's like, here we go. Here's a, here's a knife moment. Here's what you're going to do, and you've got a purpose here. And then Peter, filled with the Spirit, begins to preach with this boldness that we see in, in 13. We, we see from the, what the, the elders say. They are before, just to give you a picture, John and Peter are before Caiaphas and the high priest. These are the same dudes that sent Jesus to the cross. I mean, they should have been a little bit scared. I mean, they should have been, but they weren't. And there was a reason that they weren't. I mean, and these guys weren't, weren't only the, the guys that sent Jesus to the cross. These were some pretty smart fellas. I mean, the high priests, if you didn't know much about Jewish culture, but rabbis by the age of 10 have memorized the first five books of the Bible. I mean, I don't know about you, but that is like Harvard material. And by age 13, if you're the the, the cream of the crop when it comes to a rabbi, you've memorized Genesis through Malachi, the whole Testament. You knew where it was. I mean, they didn't have verses or anything. They just would kind of, you know, it was amazing how they, they memorized Scripture. So these guys were the, you know, the, the top of the class, Harvard grads, the smartest guys around. And this is what they're saying in 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. I mean, it, the, the Greek translation for this is they were ignorant ignoramuses. Ignorant ignoramuses. So when they, when they saw the, the, the two redneck fishermen from the west side that eat wings on Thursday night at the all-you-can-eat deal... They were a little surprised when they spoke with the clarity of a Harvard grad. You know, it's easy for us to gloss past this passage in Scripture and say, wow, Peter spoke with boldness and people were saved. There was absolute power that was displayed when Peter stand, stood before the Sanhedrin and when he stood before the Pharisees. I mean, I'm talking about superpower, Holy Spirit power. And for me, this is just one of those things that, I see and I, I know in my heart it's, it's the right thing to believe that there's something other than. Because I see it in Scripture. And for me, in my journey, in the way that I ended up here, is along the way I, 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 something happened. And it was like all of a sudden I got to where I, I, I knew Jesus. But I knew that there was something more. And then all of a sudden I had significant health problems. And I'll tell you one thing that will begin to turn, your, turn the tide when it comes to believing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Get hurt. Have something wrong with you. And I mean, I was grasping at straws. I just was like, there's got to be more. There's got to be power. If we don't believe in power, then, then what is all this that we read in Scripture? And long story short, I did find myself at River City Church. And one of the things that I saw that was different was, we knew when we came in. Every time we, we, a service got full of the Spirit and things were um, crazy. I don't even think it's crazy. I just think it's God. It was explained. We knew what the purpose was in it. I mean, Antley's so good at leading our services, letting us and leading us back to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, when we read this passage in chapter 4, it's all about Jesus. When we read in Scripture about the Holy Spirit, it's poured out by who? Jesus. For who? Jesus. That's the purpose and the power. When you come up for ministry, and we come broken and fallen and beaten and beaten and battered sometimes. I came up for so much ministry when I first came to River City Church. We come up because we are in that place of desperation. But the beautiful thing about that is that's what God's going to use to glorify himself. You were created for a purpose. All of you were created for a purpose. And it was to glorify God. It was absolutely to glorify God. And that was the purpose in Peter receiving power. It was to lift up the name of Jesus it was to proclaim the name of Jesus. Let it be known that the reason that these things were done to these, this man that couldn't walk was because of Jesus. Because I want him to be proclaimed. I want him to be lifted up. It's about the exaltation of the Savior. I want to throw a few other scriptures out to you before we end. Acts 1, 6-8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's reason for the power. And when they had prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, why, why would they need the Spirit again? They'd already gotten it at Pentecost. they had already gotten it as, as believers. But no, they prayed for boldness, and the, the, the power of the Spirit came again. It was something else. There was, there was more, and that's what we should, we should want. We should want more. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore you eat, drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. There's the purpose. Luke twenty thirty eight says now this. Now he is not God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. It's purpose. Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. Whom I formed and made. If we don't get this piece of it, then we're missing out on our calling as believers. The reason that we want power, the reason that this church wants power is because of Jesus. That's it. I mean, we can walk out of here talking about what a great church service today was. We can talk about all the things. There was people up here crying. There was somebody that was up here who was jumping. And you, uh, This is the first church that I've wanted to invite people to. And I love to talk about River City Church. But at the end of the day, I know what Antley would want. He would want you to talk about Jesus. What Jesus did here today through the power of His Spirit. Who Jesus is, because that's what we are called to do. We see it so clearly in Scripture. And there's something inside of our heart that tells us that that's what we're created for. There's something that feels good about lifting the name of Jesus. When we, when we hear those songs that are about Jesus, we get excited and fired up. I mean, you don't get much more Christ-centered than some of the songs that we, we sung today that kind of got this whole ball rolling in the Spirit. But it was all about Jesus So when we talk about the Spirit, one of the things that bothered me is that I didn't know that it was all about Jesus and His grace. I didn't know that this whole story was all about that when I was 12 years old. had no idea. Nobody told me. But I'm telling you today, that's what it's all about. That's what we get excited about. That's what we cheer and shout about. That's what we worship about. It's what we were created for. It's what's in our DNA. It's to worship The one who paid it all for us. The one that brings us grace. The one that pours it out for us. That's what we were created for. Now when I, uh, part of my journey in finding my way back to truth, um, I studied a lot of John Piper and I got a lot of what I have talked about today from him because he's one of those guys that was in the same place he believed one thing and then all of a sudden he realized there's more and then when you read the depths of what he believes about the holy spirit you realize man, that dude is a charismatic and one of the people that he studied to get him along the way was a guy that was super conservative his name is martin lloyd jones and he uh at the end of his life had kind of went back on a lot of his theology and said hey i've you know i've bashed a lot of the liberal churches a lot along the way he says but one thing that i got wrong was this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit thing. And this is what Martin Lloyd-Jones, or what John Piper says about Martin Lloyd-Jones. From the beginning to the end of the life of Martin Lloyd-Jones was a cry for depth in two areas. Depth in biblical doctrine and depth in vital spiritual experience light and heat logic and fire word and spirit again and again he would be fighting on two fronts on the one hand against dead formal institutional intellectualism and on the other hand against superficial glib entertainment oriented man-centered emotionalism And he saw a world desperate in a desperate condition without christ without hope and a church with no power to change it One wing of the church was straining out intellectual gnats while the other was swallowing the camels of evangelical compromise or careless charismatic teaching. For Lloyd-Jones, the only hope was historic God-centered revival. If we want our church to grow, it should be all about Jesus. And it needs to be a God-centered, Jesus-centered style revival. We need power that comes from Jesus, poured out for Jesus. I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you've come in. don't even know who Jesus is. I mean, if that's the case, then you've got to be asking some questions about what happened here today. And all I can tell you is that we are a people that are celebrating what God's doing. There's people up here that we're getting healing today. And we're celebrating that Jesus is healing people through the power of the Holy Spirit. You may have come here just with wounds, you know, maybe going through a relationship that's falling apart. I don't know where you've come today. But I can tell you that you don't want to be powerless as a Christian. We want to be full of power. The power that comes from the Spirit. I'm going to read this one last thing and then I'm going to close. This is also Martin Lloyd-Jones. Do you know anything of this fire? If you do not, confess it to God and acknowledge it. Repent. Ask Him to send the Spirit and His love until you are melted and moved. Until you are filled with his love divine. And know his love to you. And rejoice in it as his child. And look forward to the hope of coming glory. Quench not the spirit. But rather be filled with the spirit. And rejoice in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father I just thank you and praise you. Just for the work that you've done in my life. In opening my eyes. and awakening me to the power of your spirit in empowering me to speak the name of Jesus with boldness. God, I just pray right now, even right now, that you come in the power of your Spirit in this room, that you begin to pierce hearts in a way that they haven't been before, that you open eyes, that you awaken people, not only to the power of the Spirit, but just to the divine nature of your grace and how it extends to us. Just come right now. Just come right now, in the name of Jesus, amen.